Welcome back to the Flowering Compass. I'm your host, Maddie, and today I will be talking to Monica. Monica is a medium, which is someone who can help communicate with the other side. She grew up using her ability to help other people work through their pain and find solutions. For many years, she traveled across the U.S. with her husband helping people, but has now settled down with her three dogs. Monica is also the host of the podcast Selfaholic, which is dedicated to helping people navigate their spiritual path. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Monica. How are you? Good, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited that we get to talk today. And the first thing is I would love if you could explain a little more in depth what it means to actually be a medium. A medium, first I'll explain, um, a medium is a psychic, but not, not um, a psychic who's not a medium, okay? So all mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. And a medium is somebody literally in between that raises their energy to communicate with the other side, uh, the other side of the veil. And they, thankfully, the other side will lower their energy to communicate with us. And we can be that bridge to help, uh, you know, other ones communicate to this side. So that I can speak to um, loved ones that have passed. I can speak to angels. I can speak to all different frequencies, even people that are on this side too. So everything is energy. Everything is constantly moving, even things that seem solid. And so um, it's about reading energy. Wow, that's really fascinating. And how have you been able to use that to help people? People, oh, people all have um, missing spaces or wounds. And so it gives people a chance to maybe say that last word that they thought they had missed. Or I'm able to communicate with their guides and help them get back on their um, their spiritual path. But a lot of people feel that they have <clears throat> incompleted uh, thoughts, feelings, um, emotions, words that they weren't able to get. Or um, for example, uh, that when we go home, that's what I call it, when we go back to the other side of the veil, we have no pain, no suffering, no hate, uh, no ill will at all. And it's just pure bliss. So people think that, oh, um, my mom's, you know, left hating me and just, you know, she has all this bad ill and all this stuff. Not anymore. You know, that's not there anymore. So sometimes people on the, that have now left this plane want to communicate with, let's say their daughter here and say, gosh, I'm home now. And I see what I did, because when we go home, we review our lives. And I really want to tell you that I loved you. Um, I always did love you. I was damaged. I had issues. I now see what I did and can help that daughter heal. You know, because the daughter's sitting here saying, what, what, what did I do wrong? Why didn't my mom love me? Why didn't my mom treat me this way? Well, the mother wasn't able to communicate what really happened to her to make her damage to treat her daughter that way. And now they're on the other side and they can say, this is what happened to me. This is why I was this way. It wasn't you. And then can explain it. Okay. Um, give you an example. Um, I was molested when I was a child by my brothers, by my father or whatever you know, and I was just a very damaged soul, you know, and I just could not communicate to you what happened to me. And um, 
I just couldn't bond. I just couldn't connect. And now I can tell you what happened and that can heal. And I've had that happen a lot of times, actually, really a lot of times. And uh, then that, that way, this soul, the daughter, this soul in this body can now say, okay, I can move forward in my life and know I'm okay. It wasn't me. And I can fulfill my destiny. My mom didn't fulfill hers. She sat there uh, simmering in her uh, hate, her, um, oh, how do you say, her disconnect, you know, her, she never went and moved beyond what happened to her. She chose to sit in it, but now her daughter doesn't have to sit in it. So it's stuff like that. Yeah. And that sounds really powerful and definitely life-changing for a lot of people to be able to connect to a lost parent and to have the parent, you know, realize, you know, what would have happened. And then to have that, that just sounds something like, that just sounds like something that's really powerful and life-changing. It can be, it can be really, and, and I, I, I'm just happy that, um, again, I'm the kind of like the transistor radio in between, <laughs> you know, um, and so I'm very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, and um, you kind of somewhat mentioned this destiny. Do you believe in this idea of destiny and that we are all born here, like with a purpose? I believe that we, um, before we come, I believe we make a contract with our soul group um, and say, um, I want to come in and I want to experience this and I want to choose to make a difference with this or that. And I'm going to come in and then you're going to come into my life at this point in time and help me stay, you know, help direct me on this path. But we have, uh, you know, the one thing that no one else, God gave us the only thing that he didn't give anybody else and that's called free will. So um, we are given paths and we can divert at any time we want, you know, and um, it is completely up to us if we want, if we choose to stay on those paths or we can go, go to something totally different. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned uh, soul group. Um, could you explain what that is? Um, first of all, I also want to say um, that my beliefs are my beliefs. I do not put my beliefs upon anybody else. So um, I don't want anybody to think, oh, this and that, she's wrong, you know. <laughs> um, so I believe that we have soul groups on the other side. And um, these are um, so, souls that we are very close to. These are um, souls that we keep coming and living lifetimes with. These are people that we, uh, we know so very well. Then we have people in other soul groups that um, those are what I call hit and runs. And I'll explain that in just a second. Uh, but people in our soul group, we will keep um, making contracts. I will come in this lifetime as your mother um, and I will do this so that I can help create a situation for you. that You can become this because you want to do that, you know, and I will help support you and lift you in this way. And we write kind of like these contracts with each other. Uh, it's not literally like signing, you know, the pen. It's just that, okay, you know, I want to, you know, experience this. You want to experience that. So let's do this. Let's do that. And um that's why we're so comfortable with these people, you know, lifetime after lifetime. Um, I also have this saying, blood makes us relatives, Prozac makes us friends. Um, <laughs> just because uh, you are uh, born into a family doesn't mean you have to stay with them uh, your whole life. Do you know what I mean? Um, it doesn't mean 
you have literally a blood contract with them. It's just that they influenced you in a way you, okay, you got influenced. Now you go on and you live your life. You, you can move on. You don't have to be with them, you know, your whole life, you know, especially if it's not healthy. So um, I want to also say that now uh, other soul groups, you can say, Hey, you know what? You're going to be around. I need something. And so you have these relationships in your life where somebody comes into your life and they mean so much to you. I mean, you're just instantly bonded. It's like this incredible relationship. It's mind blowing. You, you know, let's say you become the most incredible best friends in the world and everything is incredible for um, actually, you know, either a short time or a, or a couple of years and then boom, they're out of your life. And then, you know, years down the wires, you're like, God, you know, what happened to that person? We were so close. I mean, we were like sisters or brother, whatever. Man, what happened? Those are what I call hit and runs. And there's somebody that came into your life and had such an influential mark in your life, you know, and you can look back on them and go, God, you know, I really wouldn't have done this if they hadn't come into my life. And that's from someone from another soul group that came in and said, okay, we're going to come in and cause an effect, you know, and make this happen. And so those are my hit and runs. Wow. And that's all, this is all very, very fascinating. And then you just kind of learned about all of this through being a medium? Through being a medium, yes. And um, I was also, um, where I grew up in Southern California, um, there, actually the store is still there, but the gentleman that owned it, sold it. It's a store called Awakenings um, down in Laguna Hills. Uh, he had some of the most um, influential people come in through that store. He he really was uh a man ahead of his time and he brought in uh, that are very um, famous channelers and um, mediums and other stuff speakers and stuff and I was very blessed to be able to in my teens meet these people and explain things I'm also a fifth generation medium so um, my family was very okay with you're like oh you know, there's somebody over standing over there, a dead person. They're like, yeah, I know, I know. You know, so that was kind of, you know, okay in my family. Um, but um, I also then met people that understood what I was going through and could explain some things. And then I was able to learn how to raise my energy higher than just because the two lowest frequencies um, on in earth are life coming in and life going out. And so you have a tendency to um, uh, predict or experience a lot of death when you're younger. And, um, and so you think you caused it, think you have something to do with it. And, you know, and so in learning in my teens, I didn't, I was just learning how to read energy. I didn't understand that. So through some of these special um, people that had more experience, more understanding, okay, I'm reading energy. Now, how do I focus that energy? Um, how do I read higher? How do I raise my energy higher? Um, I was blessed in learning that so I could communicate higher with higher spiritual beings and learn to hear them clear and communicate. Wow, that's so fascinating. And I just think that that's so amazing and unique. Um, and it, in my opinion, it kind of ties into this idea that everything happens for a reason. You know, there's a very specific reason why your soul was born um, where and when it was, because you needed to know all of those things to become the person you are. Yes. As my best friend and I say, there's no such thing as a quinky dink. And I would agree with that. I would agree that the majority of things, they're just, I don't know. I just think that the world, there's too much that's interconnected for there to be true, true coincidences. Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, everything's energy, everything's in motion, you know, everything's bouncing off of everything. 
Definitely. And um, I would love to kind of shift gears for a minute and talk to you about um, high school and what your high school experience was like, because I know that you switched to a brand new school right before you started freshman year. Yes, yes. Um, I lived, um, I was born and raised in L.A. And um, when I was uh, 13, my parents uh, separated and divorced. And then um, when I was 14, my dad uh, remarried and um, uh, his wife's job was in San Diego and my dad's was in LA because he owns business, own business. And so what they did is uh, to cut it, cut it in half, uh, we moved to um, Laguna Niguel, Orange County, which at the time was still kind of like cows. <laughs> but anyways, um, I went to um, Dana Hills High and uh, like I said, there wasn't, it was a new area in the sense of houses for Laguna Gale. So it was a new build house. And um, so, yeah, I started my freshman year uh, living at like a motel in Dana Point with my uh, stepmom and started my freshman year not knowing a soul, not knowing anyone, brand new, brand spanking new. So um, uh, it was scary, but it actually ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. It really was um, to, uh, to take me away out of what I was known as, you know, being raised in a small town in LA, um, you know, people that you're, you know, went to school with, you know, uh, you know, elementary and junior high and preconceived notions and all that. And then to start fresh, brand new, I could create and be the person uh, I felt I was and who I should be. So it gave me a chance to do that. Scary, but good. And what did you do with that, like, fresh start when you were like kind of you know becoming who you wanted to be in a sense well, one of the things my dad actually did to me um I I had always been a tomboy and um uh my family coming from um you know world speed records and race cars and all that type of stuff um, since I was the youngest of two girls um my head was always like in an engine with my dad and uh, jean jackets and vans you know shoes and jeans and I was just you know I was more comfortable that way and uh, my dad wanted me to be more ladylike, you know, and uh, he, he enrolled me in drama. He made me, I, I wanted to take out a shop. <laughs> and he was like, no. And he says, because I guess I, I looked down a lot. You know, I had a tendency to look down. Um, and he says, I want you to learn how to look people in the eye. And he even told my drama teacher, he's like, teach her how to look people in the eye. And uh, I, I was already a very strong headed. My dad taught me how to be a very, I mean, I was driving by the age of four. Um, you teach us how to drive things. And um, I could drive a stick shift uh, vehicle all by myself by like the age of probably 10 or yeah, 10 or so. Uh, so he, he raised two very strong girls. Uh, there was times even before, like in junior high where I'd get into it with the teacher because right? I thought a teacher was incorrect, honestly incorrect. And because he always said my girls will uh, be seen and heard because there was always saying children should be seen, not heard. And he's like, no. And uh, he would go to bat for us, you know? Um, so I was, I was definitely raised with that, which was a good thing. You know, I wasn't put to the side, like hush, 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 you're, you know, you're a girl. So that was good. But um, I guess I did look down a lot. So I have to admit that first um, freshman year being in drama actually helped me. And I would, uh, it was a two-story school by the ocean, Dana, Dana Hills. And um, it was, uh, and so I, I remember I'd have to practice going up and down the stairs, um, looking at uh, people in the eyes. And uh, there was this guy, uh, uh, he was a senior and oh man, he was so GQ, 
gorgeous, gorgeous. And uh, there was one class where I had to go upstairs and he would come down and I pushed myself to look him in the eyes and smile every day because I had a big crush on him. And so that was my own thing that I challenged myself to every day was because that was like my one chance to see him every day. And so I would always just walk by and smile while he came down and I would go up. And uh, so um, that was, you know, I it was like me challenging myself to get out of my own shell. Yeah, I would say theater is, you know, coming from a theater kid who absolutely loves theater, I'd say theater is very, very important and very valuable for a lot of people just because it teaches that. It teaches, you know, how to present in front of people, how to talk. It's like, I don't know, to me, it's just such a wonderful skill to have. Um, not even just the theater aspect, but what it teaches you. It's just, it's, it's so wonderful. But um, a lot of people have an issue being like themselves. A lot of people are very afraid to be themselves. They're very afraid to be unique and to be different because they're very, very afraid they're going to be judged. And I know that you're a very, very unique person. And I know that, you know, from the two of us talking about your high school experience, you have, you know, you were very out there, yet you were very liked and popular at the same time almost. Um, and I just think that talking about how you were just able to be, how you were able to express yourself so uniquely and just be yourself. And I think that that's something a lot of people really struggle with is just being themselves and being able to express themselves fully and uniquely. I, I guess I, even back in junior high, I never liked being like everybody else. I would I'd go out of my way to come up. I remember uh, my dad, my sister was, a, a, he got her into modeling. And so she was all like a fashionista girl. And uh, he would pay her to take me shopping to get me out of the jeans and the stuff. And uh, so I remember she took me shopping uh, for um, back to school clothes. And uh, we went to, uh, we went up to LA to these really cool eclectic uh, shops. And I was like, I will shop here. You know, I just didn't want to go to the mall and shop like everybody else. And um, I did, I found some really cool stuff. And, um, uh, and I found these shoes, which was really unique. First time back then now they're, but they were called jelly shoes. This is the first time they've come out, and uh, they were these rubber shoes, and um, some other stuff. Anyways, I go to school again. This is junior high, and I will talk about high school. But uh, and uh, I wore them, and these girls that were like, you know, the, the it girls, you know, uh, were making fun of me. And I was just like, whatever, you know. I just I had my friends. That's the other thing. As long as you've got your set of friends that love you for who you are, the others can just sit and spin. You know, because those don't, those other ones don't matter. You know, it's always about you and your friends. And anyways, within, it took them a couple of days to find them because it wasn't at the mall. They had to go figure out where to go find those shoes, you know, but it was within a couple of days to a week, those it girls that made fun of my shoes were wearing my shoes. Do you know what I mean? I was like, well, I saw them starting to wear it. I was like, oh no. Because it stopped being unique. I liked being me, you know? I didn't, you know, and that continued, I found, through the rest of my school years, on to high school, that continued to happen to me, was that I, whatever I wore, 
that nobody else had soon would follow. And that is where I believe everyone should be true to themselves because that is how actually fashion is born. That is how fashion, I'm not a fashionista, you know, but I'm saying that's how fashion designers are born. They create something that didn't, doesn't exist already. Do you know what I mean? And then people see it and go, ooh, ah, you know, because they want to be different. They want to stand out, you know? Not that I did it to do that. I just wanted, I didn't want to be like everyone else. I did not want to ever look like, you know, uh, cookie cutter. You know, I didn't ever want to do that. That was not me. And because uh, I felt, I actually felt more uncomfortable looking like other people. And the same thing happened. You know, I started, I remember the first day I started, like I said, my freshman day at high school, I had gone to um, the, uh, the Orange County Swap Meet and uh, I had gotten this wicker purse. It was huge wicker purse. It was so cool. And um, the girl that ended up becoming my best friend for that freshman year, it was actually her first day. She came from Texas. It was her first day at that. And uh, she leans over and she goes, you running away? And I was like, excuse me? And she goes, your suitcase, you running away? Because <laughs> my purse was so big. And I was like, I loved her just because she said that. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, you're funny. I like you, you know? And that's the thing, uh, be, be you. You don't have to be comfortable with other people, but you be you and follow you. And because um, another one, I remember um, I had in high school, my boyfriend, he was a big summer player, football player. And um, he, uh, I forget what happened, but it was after something happened to my clothes and I went to his house and um, I ended up having to borrow one of his uh, uh, shirts and it was the kind that where the sleeves are cut off well he was huge his arms big arms and I was small you know and I was like dang it and so um I took safety pins and I safety pinned it underneath and kind of did it in a funky way to try to get it to go up you know what I mean and something else and and then I like I, underneath it was one of his tanks I just did what I had to do so I could have a top and um I had to run back to school to do something and uh, so I ran back to school and um, to get something out of my locker that I had forgotten. And um, I run into uh, some girls that were part of the cheer squad and everything. And they're like, hey, you know, I'm like, hey. And um, they just kind of like looked at me and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing, something else. And I ran into somebody else. And anyways, I came back to school the next day and like three people were wearing like shirts like that. Mine was a need for necessity, but they had to have gone out and bought or borrowed brothers or somebody's shirts. Do you know what I mean? To create that. So, you know, I don't know how to say, but it's like people, there are people, it's true. There are people that are leaders and there are people that are followers, you know, the sheep, you know, not that you have to lead people, but lead yourself. And the other thing I'd like to talk about and this was something that was recently brought to my attention by a friend. It's this idea that being unique and being yourself is um, could be in some cases um, contradicting. Because what if you aren't unique? What if you like what others like? What if you're okay with the trends? You like the trends. If you like the trends, um, I don't. I don't see a problem if you like the trends. But 
make the trends fit you. Don't you try to fit the trends. Do you think it also could, you know, this idea of, because I've really been thinking on this, this idea that um, being unique and being yourself is actually contradicting because what if you aren't unique? And I always, I always, I, I just, I don't know. I've been thinking on that a lot, thinking it's very interesting because, well, I don't know. I was thinking, well, maybe that's um, a, a defense mechanism to say, well, I'm actually not unique. I'm just like everyone else. I don't know. I think that that's a very interesting topic. How are you not unique? There's only one of you. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting um, thing to talk about. This idea that, because I would, I would, you know, I would say that everyone is unique um, because there's only one of them. Um, but it's this idea that, well, what if, what if, you know, saying that you're um, stereotyping almost to say that, well, everyone's unique. Well, what if someone isn't unique? What if someone likes what everyone else likes? Then I would maybe beg to say that that's a defense mechanism to say that they just like what everyone else likes. It's like, well, maybe not. Maybe they believe that they do, but maybe deep down, you know, they really don't. And it's just kind of a defense mechanism. I think if they're saying that they're not unique, because like I said, again, there's only one of them, that if they're not unique, then they're hiding from themselves and they're afraid. They're just hiding and they're afraid that they'll be judged. Um, they're afraid to um, put, they're, they're afraid if they get their toe wet, they're going to drown. What would you say to someone that is afraid? What, would it, what advice would you give them? That the person standing next to them is just as afraid as they are. We're all afraid. They're, the person that is putting themselves out there is just as afraid as you are. It's the, the only difference is that they took action you didn't so that's the difference you know is what you do with it anything you know um the difference is you can hand two kids and you can hand them each a crayon one kid might draw one kid might you know just sit there and play with it and unwrap it and break it into pieces you know is one wrong no it's what they do with it and did you like high school just just in general did you enjoy high school actually I did I did um uh you know like all everyone I had some good teachers and then I had some bad teachers and then I had some great teachers and now I was actually just uh, looking at one of them up um Mr. Grimm he was awesome uh, did speech and debate with him and all that it was awesome um uh but I liked uh, you know, of course, we all don't like getting up at the crack of dawn, you know, but especially me, not being a morning person, but um, getting up, and that's why I, I don't, this whole thing with, uh, you know, uh, online schooling and everything, we all need interaction, we all, especially girls, but we need to get up and go interact and uh, communicate, you know, and um, create. We learn from each other. We have, you know, we have shared experiences. High school is high school is huge, huge uh, in your memory bank when you look back in your experiences and that bonding time when you're growing. You know, you're learning to drive. You're learning to learn how to uh, grow up to take the next steps to be out on your own. Uh, those four years are so important 
important, so, so important. Um, you're learning uh, usually to have your first um, intense first, you know, uh, your first love. You know, most people I know, including myself, you know, your first love happens there. It is such a launch pad for your life, for your future. Um, looking back on it is uh, something you will continuously do uh, throughout your life. And it's not like, oh, I'm looking. It's like you look back and go, oh, that's where I learned that. that oh, yeah. Oh, that's such a good, warm memory. You know, um, that's why they ever throughout history have had uh, reunions. That's why you always have high school reunions. It's fun. Um, it's hard. It's uh, it's love and it's painful. It's the yin and yang. And it's so, so important. Yeah. And what advice would you have, you know, to give someone who's trying to like build up their confidence? Because as you know, we've talked about, you're a very, very confident person. And um, you seem to attribute that a lot to your dad. Um, your dad having built you up and really kind of raised you to be very confident, which I think is very, very good. Um, or just, you know, a very nice um, attribute to have. To be confident is, you know, it's just, it's something that a lot of people look up to. A lot of people look up to someone who has confidence. Um, and so what suggestions would you give to someone who's trying to build up their confidence? Talk to everybody. Put on a smile. Um, a smile is very important um, because a smile sooner or later, even if you're not feeling it, a smile sooner or later um, will pick you up. And I do mean just not just, you know, first put it on your face and then it becomes something inside you. And look at, like I said, what I learned, look at everybody in the eye and say hi to everyone. Don't, don't judge every, there's clicks, okay? There's clicks. Everyone's going to have clicks. But don't judge them. Be the person that looks at them, looks at them in the eye and say, hi, how are you doing? And just, if, if, you know, if you're just passing the hallway or whatever, hi, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? I had to ride the bus, you know, for so many, the first couple of years. And um, it was a long ride. Uh, it was a 45 minute bus ride, I think. And there was everybody on that bus. Okay. There was all, all, all kinds of clicks. I would talk to everybody, you know, we'd all chit chat. Now, granted, you get off the bus and everyone goes their own separate ways to their own little clicks and their own little stuff. But it, I connected with different people that way, you know? And so when I got to school, I didn't blow them off. We all would say, hi, 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 how are you doing, how are you doing? And I still learned from what I learned from my dad, what I learned from drama, from everything was, I just always looked at everybody in the eye, smiled and said, hi, I still do it to this day. I don't care if I know you or I don't know you. You're walking down the street, I bypass, you know what I mean? Walking in my neighborhood or whatever, I'm like, hey, hi. And it shocks some people, they're like, huh? I'm like, hi, you know, uh, we have become these people that live in our own worlds. We got our headphones on, you know what I mean? Or we're on the phone or we're just thinking that we're in our own little bubbles, but we're not. Hello, we're people, we're human, we're right here, okay? And um, I, I, <laughs> I had a friend, uh, she was hysterical and uh, I took offense to it because I was young. I was 29 and I took offense to it. And then later on, I understood what she meant. And now I, I'm like, I'm like, I agree. Uh, I'm a Gemini, so I am the communication sign. But uh, she said, uh, she goes, you could strike up a conversation with a doorknob. And the funny thing is when I was younger, um, I didn't talk much. 
you know, like I said before, I used to look at the floor and, you know, they didn't hardly talk much at all. Um, it was again, starting in high school, looking people in the eye, smiling, communicate. That's when I learned that. And again, that was something I challenged myself to. I challenged myself to look, it started, like I said, it started with my dad and then with drama. And then I started to challenge myself. And that's how I got to be where I was like, I just, it didn't matter where and what click. I just, hi, how are you? I know you. Good. Hi. See you outside school, in school, wherever. It didn't matter. And the age range. I knew people that were four years. I mean, uh, four years, my senior, do you know what I mean? The people that had graduated high school before me, I even got in there to people that were four years under me, you know, later on, you know what I mean? By knowing people, by knowing people. So I was friends with a huge also age range. I didn't judge. I liked it. It was fun. And you've talked a lot about, or you've mentioned several times that you challenged yourself. Do you think that that was also another big part of it that to really want something you need to like be willing to go out and get it? Not just other people need to push you, but you also need to set goals for yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, that um, saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Only you can make yourself drink. So um, you have to um, set goals, but you also have to set realistic goals. I think people set goals too high and they fail, um, which is like, duh, you know, um, but they do, I think, uh, and I've done it. I think it's just, it's just human nature, you know, uh, we're like, I'm going to do this, but we forget to set the goals in between, which are the, it's like, it's like building a ladder and building the first rung and the top rung and thinking you're going to go from the bottom to the top and not putting in the middle rungs. Do you know what I mean? You gotta put in the middle one to get to the top. So if you look at life, it's gotta be like that ladder. I'm, okay, first I'm gonna, that first step, I'm gonna make that my goal. And then the next one's gonna be my goal. And then the next one's gonna be my goal. You just can't, it's, otherwise it's not a ladder. If it's just the bottom and the top, it's just, you know, pieces of wood or metal, whatever your ladder's made out of, you know, a few pieces, it's four pieces put together. So that's something I think we all need to learn, you know, so make, if you're going to do it, make that goal. It wasn't that, I mean, yes, at that time, it seemed huge to smile and look at everybody. Um, but my goal was to get him to look at, look at me and smile. Cause I was like, I'm right here. Hello. You're really cute. I like you. Um, and no, he did. It got to where we would smile and say, hi, smile and say, hi, you know, and it was funny because um, I ended up meeting my boyfriend so like I said that guy graduated his name is Mark he graduated my so my freshman year was his senior he graduated and then I met uh, my boyfriend and then uh like a year two years later something like that we went over to Catalina Island for a little trip and my boyfriend goes oh hey Mark and he was friends turned you know because they knew each other because he was my boyfriend was two years old three years older than me anyways um he goes hey how you doing how you doing and it's like oh yeah this is my girlfriend and he and he looks at me he goes you're the girl on the stairs and I was like oh oh god you know what I mean and he's like how are you and he's smiling he's shaking my hand but he remembered me because you, because you're the girl on the stairs but he remembered me because I would look him straight in the eyes and smile and say hi so just that little thing made an impression on somebody that what I which is what I wanted to do you know 
Yeah. And that's, that is so cool, you know, and it really goes to show just the littlest things can leave like such a big impression, like just saying like, you know, good morning. How are you? Or smiling at someone could just make someone's day. It can. And I've actually had that happen so many times where I've just been at the grocery store and I say something and we start, I start talking to somebody and something else and somebody, they're like, oh my God, you just made my day. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, just because they were down in the pits and I make a joke about something, you know, that I think is funny. And then somebody else, and then they're just laughing and they're just like, oh my God, I was having like the worst day. It just made my day so much better. Thank you. We can all do that. And it's just by being you, being kind or being happy, or like I said, putting that smile on your face. And, you know, it's amazing how we can change the direction of not only ourselves, but other people. But again, what you were talking about earlier is if people feel just set it, you know, set a small goal, nothing big, just a small one, something that you think is feasible for you to make a difference for yourself. I would love to talk to you um, also kind of closing out here. I would also love to talk to you a little bit about your experience with depression. If you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that and how you were able to kind of cope and overcome and handle it. Well, you know, I still deal with depression, you know, um, it can, I think uh, right now, a lot of people are suffering from depression. Um, The thing about mm, depression is, is that it can get, you can get so deep that you feel like you can't get out of it. You know, um, that's the hard part. And also another thing is sometimes people don't realize they're depressed. They think they're okay. Um, we start to think that uh, being so low is your norm. Is, is oh, I'm, I'm just fine. You know, it's your norm. It's the thing to do, I feel, is when you start to feel the depression come over you, which is also um, fueled also by anxiety. I feel a lot of times people don't realize it's also fueled by um, anxiety is to get out, to do something, to interact, to movement, to, uh, sorry. Depression is a heavy thing to talk about. Yeah, it is. It's a big subject with a lot of components. It is. And depression is different for every person. You know, some people like me, because and like you, I know um, people that are artistic. Sometimes it's good to create things, to get the energy out there moving, flowing. But for me, I have to admit, if I have to interact with people, uh, I get depressed when I'm not interacting. If I'm literally on lockdown, I can't communicate. I can't um, see, talk, um, laugh, have fun. That's when I get depressed. It's the lack of interaction. And I think that's where a lot of kids are having problems nowadays because they're missing their friends. And I've been talking about it with the other, um, because as you know, I've got my niece staying with me right now and she's 13 and uh, talking to other people like parents and stuff like that. And their kids are having the same problem, the depression of just sitting there looking at a computer and not having the interaction of hanging out with their friends. 
and not connecting and not growing spiritually. Um, and when I talk about spirit, it means soul to soul. You know, our souls, it's what we're here to do. We're here to connect. We're here to interconnect, to interact. And when you take that away, um, it's damaging. It's, you know, you're taking away our soul's um, uh, life support, you know, you're shutting us down. You're taking away, um, again, our energy, our energy source, you know, or our food, if you want to put it that way, of for the soul. And I have done things um, to create it. Uh, when, when we had our first, the first lockdown, I was really spiraling, you know, and uh, I was like, I got to do something. And we're with, I lit, where uh, I live, all of our garages interface each other. And uh, I was like, I was like, come on, everybody. It's Friday, it's sunny. And we all opened up our garages, pulled out our chairs. So our social distancing, you know, and uh, turned on some music and talked and just hung outside. And we're talking and laughing and chit-chatting. And everyone, when they were done, said, texting. We're like, Monica, that was so great. Thank you for suggesting that. And then we were doing it every week, sometimes a couple times a week. And everyone's like, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. You know, because we could laugh and talk and just be, be, you know, be in the being, live as is, right? And it was, it just really picked all of our spirits up. And then we would look forward to it when we do it again. And then it was somebody's birthday and uh, we would, you know, we pick, let's do it again, let's, you know, and it really helps. And uh, so that's how I deal with depression is I don't, you know, it's like um, get the butt off the sofa, you know, or I allow it to have a day. I allow it a day. I give it a time limit. I'll say, okay, I'm gonna give you one day to have your pity party. And then after that, you're done. So um, my husband will say, what are you doing? And I said, I'm cleaning. And he's like, really? I go, yeah, I'm cleaning the DVR. Then the next day I get up, get my butt up and I go. And I really like um, how you're talking about just like getting out, especially social interaction. I think it's just so important, especially now finding any way you possibly can to have that social interaction because we are social creatures. You know, we're not built to just be alone 24 seven. You know what I mean? That's, that's not how we're built. Whether And I know like introverts during this time are like, we're thriving, you know, or whatever. And it's like, well, me as an extrovert, I have no idea how that feels. Um, but I'm sure that there's surely some part of loneliness about it because you just can't be alone for all these months on end and not have some like social connection longing because we're social creatures. It's built into us. It's like hardwired into us, you know, to want to be around other people. And to, you know, even if it's not like big groups or parties to at least want to have like, you know, one or two friends and to want to, you know, be around someone, you know what I mean? Because we're social creatures. Exactly. I... I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go to Costco. I'm going to go to Target. I'm going to at least get out. You know, even if I'm not going to hang out or see friends, I'm going to get out. And I end up actually having a good time. You know, <laughs> I just, just to be out walking around. Um, I live by the ocean. So oh, the ocean air, you know, uh, it's nice. You know, I drive down the, for me to go run any of my errands, I've got to, um, be on the one, the people that need uh, Highway One, so the Coast Highway, and just just to see the ocean is just so beautiful, right? And that just picks me up as it is, 
but that's the thing. And I live also by um, a national forest. And so it's like, get out, or, you know, ride my bike. That's another thing, you know, it's like, just to get out, see people, say hi, you know, be in that energy. Cause that's another thing when you're around people, they're giving off energy, you're giving off energy. Now, if your energy, if you keep a high energy, if, you, if you're exuding, that's why I said it with a smile, I know we got masks on, but uh, what is it, uh, Tara, uh, Bank, Tara Banks says, she smiles. You know, she talks about when models that, that they smile with their eyes, so she calls it smiles. So my thing is I smile. Now that I got a mask on, I smile. So people can even see when I got a mask on, I'm like, you know, that they know I'm smiling at them, you know? And so it's like putting off that positive energy means you draw positive energy. You give off negative energy, you draw negative energy, you know? Uh, what you put out is what you get back, right? So if you're, even if you're just gonna go out and do those things, put off good energy, you get good energy back. Um, it's, you know, uh, full circle and you come back feeling even better. Cause like I said, um, it's tenfold. So you get 10 times the good energy back and then you come back feeling good little energy out and you get a lot of energy back. Yeah. It's this, I, yeah, it's the law of attraction, you know, and, um, kind of wrapping it up here, what would be the final piece of advice or insight that you'd like to leave teens with, or just anyone who's listening with today? Even if let's say it's the most popular kid that looks like they have it all together, that they have everything, they are feeling what you are. They are just as insecure as you are. They are having the same emotions, the same hormones, uh, everything that you are. It doesn't seem like it, but they are. The difference is, again, what they're doing with it or what cards they're showing. It's what they're choosing to put out, just like you. So you have a chance to show what you put out. That's what I want people to realize is that everyone is going through the same i mean not exactly the same thing meaning somebody might be going through a bad a really bad um household situation or something do you know what i mean but for your age for everything else they're going through it all some people are high, better at hiding it than others but they are thinking what you're thinking they're just as scared just as I don't know, you know, those same things. So they are not better than you. Just everyone's different. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful piece to leave off with is no matter how put together people seem, you don't know what's going on underneath, you know, and everyone struggles, you know, everyone has some sort of struggle going on a lot of the time, you know, no one's perfect and no one's happy 24 seven. Um, People just aren't, you know, and that's part of the human experience is sadness, anger, joy, happiness, all the emotions are part of it. You know, it, it, we wouldn't know happiness without sadness kind of thing. So, you know, just this idea and this also this idea that everyone's different. Everyone's going to be handling and processing things different and showing, you know, what they're going through differently. Exactly. Exactly. But it's just that you're at a stage in school where you know, you're still growing, you know, you're still these sponges. And it's true about if I knew then what I know now, you know, uh, when you get older, you do go, oh my God, if I could go back, you know, 
and teach, but you really can't teach. It's just this knowing you have when you get older of like, oh my God, those people's opinions did, did not mean anything. You stick to the people that accept you for who you are. Here's another good piece of advice that, uh, from my Angelo. When people show you who they are the first time, believe them. So if people show you their honesty and they're trustworthy the first time, believe them. If people show you they're not, believe them. Yeah, that's a really powerful piece of information to leave off with or insight per se to leave off with. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the show, Monica. I'm so glad that we got to talk. I had such a wonderful time. Me too. And make sure to go check out Monica's podcast, Sophaholic, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and several other platforms. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. And make sure to leave a review and follow us on Instagram at the Flower and Compass underscore podcast. I'm your host, Maddie. This is the Flower and Compass, and we'll be back for another interview soon. I hope you all have a magical day. <laughs>